it is a message that is based off of this past week of seven days of prayer and fasting that was kicked off with Pastor Tim Dilma's message last Sunday. Wasn't that encouraging and inspiring to, to hear? If you haven't had a chance to listen, go back to next, last Sunday. It's uh, on recording and you can be inspired and encouraged by that message. But today, I wanted to follow up a little bit on the, the, the words that God has been bringing to our hearts and then process out with you as, as a church family. And then beginning next week again, we'll start up back with our sermon series, Oh My Soul. Because there's a few more topics that I'd, I'd love for us to, to address before we wrap up that sermon series. But if it's okay to kind of break the rules <laughs> and do a standalone sermon here in the middle, um, I think this could be a very important message for us in, in the light of the conversation that we're having with God, our wonderful Father. So the message title is No Greater Love. No Greater Love. And today's Bible quote comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. And it reads this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Did you know that we're children of God if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of him, we are also called children of God, yeah? And, and we are to, as children, imitate God, our Father. That's what children do, don't they? They imitate their parents. That's how they learn. Sometimes they have no idea what they're imitating, but they, they, they do that, and that's how they learn how to, to live, I guess, and, and, and how to be a human being in some ways. My, my youngest, Uni, is imitating. She's, she's three, almost going on four or 24. And um, she is imitating everything. What, one of the things she has been imitating is the word actually. She loves to say actually. <laughs> actually, but. So this morning, I was having a conversation with her about seedlings. And I said, oh, Uni, how... Um, are you looking forward to going to seedlings today, which is our, our really young class? And she said, yes, but actually, no. <laughs> oh, why is that? She said, do they have snacks at seedlings? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Oh, but actually, I do. <laughs> so, and sometimes I'll ask her a question, and then she'll say, but actually, and I'm waiting for this very philosophical, deep answer, but something very random. So she doesn't really know how to use it sometimes. Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't, but she's imitating, isn't she? It's kind of scary, actually. It's coming out. Obviously, I say it a lot, probably. But it is scary, the things that they imitate back. Like, ooh, I need to stop saying that or stop doing that. God bless our children. So we are to imitate God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. So this is what we imitate. This is what we follow. This is what we walk after of how Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I want you to underline, if you have a pen, underline the words gave himself up because we're going to come back to that. It's really central to 
what God has put on my heart this morning and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love is important, no? In fact, it is the foundation to our health and our life. I would say love is the foundation to all emotional, mental, psychological, and spiritual health. Love is to the heart as water is to the body. If you go without water for too long, you eventually, you will die. You can go without food for a long time, but without water, you will only last a few days. The human soul and the human being, without love, we will eventually die. It is absolutely essential and foundational for our life. The Bible tells us that God is love. That's his nature. He's the being of love. So when a person says, I don't need God, they're in fact saying, I don't need love. Because God is the source of love. He is the being of love. He is who we've been made for. And so in this world, however, we have so many definitions and perspectives of what love is and isn't. And until we understand what real love is, all of these imitations (laughs) will will be the things that we search and go after, and in fact, they do not give us what we need. So how do we know what that real love is? Well, we got to look to God, who is that source of love. And and so that's what we're going to do this morning, is look at what this real love is. Just like soda pop, I don't know if you call it soda pop, Um, is not water. It has elements of water, but really it's just a bunch of sugar. And you couldn't really just live off of only soda. It's not not the same as the pureness of water. We're going to look at the pureness of what love is because it comes from God and how we understand that for our own lives in receiving it and also in living it. The first one and the first point for us this morning is that love costs, and it costs God greatly. There's a cost to love, yeah? And the cost that has been paid was paid by God, and it was a cost that was incredibly great, so much greater than anything that I can describe. It says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only son because this is how God demonstrated, this is how God showed his love by giving basically himself. And if you understand the Trinity, 
The Trinity aren't separate. The Trinity is one. The Trinity is one God. And so God, when he gave his one and only son, he gives of himself. Okay? He's giving of himself. And so God gives his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And this, the one and only son that God gave, it says in 1 Timothy 2.6, gave himself as a ransom for all. This, these words that Jesus gave himself has been repeated again and again and again throughout the New Testament. And there is such power in these words that we're going to take a look at here in a moment. He gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. And this is how we know what love is. So we don't really know what love is. We can say God is love, but for a lot of us, okay, that, that's, that's something new. I haven't really thought about that or I understand that from the Bible. But we really don't know that until we can experience that love, okay? And this is how the Bible tells us that we know how, what love is. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Out of the being of love himself, out of his nature of love, God demonstrates his love. He acts with his pureness of his love. And how do we know that? Well, he died for us. He gave himself up for us. Those, those few words there, he gave himself. Firstly, a couple of points. Jesus gave himself willingly. Love does it because they want to do it. He voluntarily gave himself up. There was a plan, and that plan was good, and it was fulfilled. God did it because he wanted to. Okay? Voluntarily. He didn't have to. He didn't, wasn't hesitant to. He did it because that's what he wanted to do. He gave himself. Okay? What did he give? And here's the cost. He gave his own life. He gave up his life. Okay? This is, this is a life that is the life above all life. This is the highest life of all. There is no higher life. There is no life more worthy and of value than the life of God. And he gave it willingly for a purpose. For you. And for me. He did it willingly because he wanted to. He paid a great cost and he gave up something of great value which is his own life. And he did it for you. That is, we're starting to get the understanding of what real love 
is. And sometimes, and Jesus did this, he, he told stories that were of the world and of the earth to help us understand something of a heavenly reality, right? In fact, God became human so we could actually understand who he is. It's because when we know Jesus, Jesus said, you know me, you know my father, right? And so there's a lot of times that God will help us understand things from a human perspective because sometimes we hear something like this and it's so spectacular and so big that it takes a little bit for our mind to understand. So can I tell you a story that is a little bit more human for us to understand this love? And it, and it comes from a story I heard from Chuck Colson, who's a pastor, he's a writer, and he tells of a group of American soldiers who were in World War II and they were taking as prisoners of war, okay? And so they were prisoners of war and they were sentenced to um, a hard labor camp to where all day long they had a, a shovel for a tool and they would dig holes for hours in the day. And in the evening time, they would bring home or bring back their, their shovel and bring account for it. And in this story, there was about 20 soldiers. And these 20 soldiers were lined up before a guard. And the guard counted each one of those shovels. And he counted 19. One shovel was missing. And so he flew in a rage. And he started to demand, which of you soldiers forgot to bring your shovel back? And the guilty person needed to step forward. But no one responded. There was no response. So the guard takes out his gun and says, I'm going to kill and shoot five of you if the guilty person doesn't come forward. And there was a very tense silence. And all of a sudden, this 19-year-old soldier, this young man, steps forward with his head hung low. And immediately the guard takes him to the side, shoots him in the head, and he dies. And then the guard comes back and says, hopefully that will teach you to forget your shovel. And hopefully next time, you will take better care of your shovel so you don't end up like this guy. The guard leaves. The rest of the soldiers come around, and they, they start to count the shovels. And there were 20 of those shovels. The guard had miscounted, completely miscounted. Could you imagine the emotions that those soldiers were experiencing as they came around this, this, this person who gave up their life for him? This 19-year-old young man. In these few seconds, in these just matter of few seconds, this young man had weighed his life in the balance. He considered his future of the possibility of getting married, yeah? Of, of seeing his dad again, of going on this vacation, having this job. And in that moment, he decided that he would give up his life so that his friends could live. Would you say that's love? There is no greater love. In fact, this is what the Bible tells us. 
John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. God demonstrated his love, his nature and his being of love by giving up himself so that you might live. This is what love is at the source and at the, at the heart and the purity of it is that God gave himself up so that you would And this love comes freely to you. It comes freely to me. But it doesn't mean it was free for God. It cost him greatly. This love is not only free for you. Salvation is not only free for you. But it is actually what frees you. Here's our second point. Love costs God. But love frees us. Okay? This love that God gives to you, and it's not a one-time thing. This is immersive. This is forevermore. The love of God is unlimited. And the further your roots grow into the unlimited love of God, the more and more you will experience liberty and freedom. And I will say it this way. If you do not experience freedom and liberty, there's more for you to know about the love of God. There's more for you to encounter and experience of his love for you because it is unlimited. And the more deeply you get into this, the more liberty you will also experience. It says in Romans 8, 1 through 2, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because you belong to Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Do you know what condemnation is? Condemnation is, is at, at its best guilt. At its best guilt. And at its, at its core, uh, a rotting away of your insides, of your humanity, and of your being. Because it says you are worthless. Condemnation leaves you with this feeling of complete death from the inside out with no escape. It is shame. Some experience it as shame. But it is absolutely something that we are not designed to live with. But God says if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God will convict you, but that is not the same as condemning you. God will never condemn you. Sin condemns. Sin will condemn you, and there's no way out of that. You will feel the weight of that 
day after day after day, and there is no escape. This is what Judas experienced. He was, he betrayed Jesus, and he experienced condemnation, and there was no way out for him. That's what he experienced. Do you know who else denied Christ? Peter did, and he was convicted of it, but it led to life. And this is what the Holy Spirit will do. If you are somebody who is enslaved to the power of sin, the Spirit's, one of the Spirit's job is to convict you of that sin. Not to condemn you, but to convict you of that sin so that you will know that you need to be saved. Without that conviction of sin, you have no need or you think you have no need for a Savior. So the conviction brings it comes out of love for the purpose of showing you back to the Savior. It always brings you and it gives you a way out. And that way out is a way to life. It's a way to life. And so that is the purpose of what God does in bringing conviction to us so that it points us back to the way, the truth, and the life our Lord Jesus Christ, but he will never condemn. In fact, if you belong to Christ, you are free from that fully. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And it says in Romans eight thirty-seven: No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not only have we been freed from sin, and the power of sin. We're actually more than conquerors because God loved us, because He gave Himself up for us. Do you see this is not anything to do with what you have accomplished and how well you feel like you are a conqueror? Right? This has to do with what Jesus did by giving Himself up for us that we are now more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. So love frees us. It frees us completely. But this love that frees us, we've been freed for a purpose. We've been freed for a a really important purpose. And it says here in Galatians 5, Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay? So you've been freed. The world's definition of freedom is very different from God's definition of freedom. The world's definition of freedom is you get to do whatever you want, however you want. Whatever you believe is good for your life. Okay? That's freedom in the world's eyes. You know what the Bible calls that? The flesh. Living according to the flesh. Sin is that basically what that is. Okay? That's not freedom. Freedom is not living for yourself. If you live for yourself and you believe that philosophy and that ideology of freedom, you will only be trapped more. You will only be in bondage more. You will only be a prisoner more. 
Because that will only lead to sin and death. That's not how you were created to live for yourself. You were not made to be a God. You were made in the image of God to display who God is through your life, but you are not a God. Praise God for that. If you believe that, then you are God set against God. Okay? And that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of trouble there. But the flesh is living according to what you want to do, independent of God. That's really what the flesh is. And that Bible verse that we just read there in Galatians 5, it says that do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, okay? To live in your own way, to live a life independent of God, but through love serve one another, Through love, serve one another. In other words, we've been freed to love and serve one another through love, through that same love that Christ demonstrated to us. And here's the conclusion or the heart of what I really wanted us to hear today. The third point is that love costs God, love frees us, And love follows Jesus. Okay? This is what love will always do. Follow Jesus. It's to follow what Jesus did. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, For the love of Christ compels us. (laughs) That is what motivates what we do. The love of Christ is what compels Tells, motivates, and stirs us to do what we do. Okay? The fact that Jesus gave himself up for us, and when we truly get that, when we understand that, it compels us. What does it compel us to do? Well, here's the reason it compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. Okay? So Jesus, because Jesus died for everyone, and everyone who believes in that by faith, then we have died with him. Here's the beauty and the power of that truth. We don't have to fear death anymore. If you are a Christian, that means Jesus died for you. You've already died in him. The moment that every person is born into this world, we have been born to basically die. Okay? That sounds really horrible, but it's the truth. We're born into this world to experience the one track of life that we have is for eternal death. That's very, very, very sad. And that's very, very horrible. That death that is meant for us, Jesus took on for you. So when that one person died, we all died. Okay? So that, in this life, we've already died. The death of Jesus Christ is our death. And we never have to experience eternal death ever, ever again. We will have the transition stage where our physical body will die, but we will never 
die again because Jesus died for you. And because Jesus died for all, we all died. So we don't have to fear death. It's done. And he died for all so that those who live should again no longer live for themselves. Okay? But for the one who died for them and was raised. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. We've been purposed to not live for ourselves, but to live for the one who died for us and was raised. So this is what Jesus tells us. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. He says in other places, he says this in John 15, 12 through 13. We just read the first part of this verse. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So this is where I'm getting to. We are to love as Jesus loves. That is the command and that is the purpose of our life. To love like Jesus. If we do not understand, however, Jesus' love for us then our love for one another has a lot of definitions that we can grab. Does that make sense? And there's a lot of definitions of love out there. Romantic love, family love, all these other kinds of love. But the way we must love one another, as Jesus commanded to love, is the way he loved. And he loved by giving up himself so that you would live. So how do we love? Well, here it is. We give of ourselves so that others will live. We give up our own life so that somebody else will have life. That is the demonstration of the being of love that shows us so clearly of what love is really is. That is how we are to love one another. Okay? Now this, the whole part of that is really important, that we give up our own life so that others will live. That's the purpose here. That the value of my life is given up so that the, so who, somebody who doesn't have life will have life, okay? This is how we are to love one another. So how does that look every single day? Because unlike Sri Lanka right now, where that devastating tragedy of that bomb going off, killing over 300s of people, Christians, that's not necessarily what we're going through right here, right now, but I would say, and this is what we were hearing yesterday during our prayer and praise evening, that is us. That is us. Just like Jason was saying, we, we are the church. We, we, this is us. If we are the body of Jesus Christ, 
What's happening to the body out there in another part is happening to us. Persecution doesn't have to be directly to you right now. We are one. And that persecution is happening right now to me because we are one body. True? That is who we are. We are the body of Jesus Christ. That is the reality of who we are. And, and so, this living of, of those who are in other countries and they are actually being persecuted and actually giving up their life, literally dying because of the relationship with Jesus Christ, that might feel so far from us, but it, it mustn't. It mustn't. Because that is your brother, and that is your sister, and that is me, because that is us. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And for that to be a reality, even that's not out there, and to be a reality here, that's how we must live with one another. In the small ways, which are the big ways. Okay? So what does that mean? Well, the Bible tells us here. In simply ways, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. <laughs> Do you experience people's sins in your life? Yeah. Well, Bible says love. Enter and approach with God's love because that love covers a multiple multitude of sins. It says carry your each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Why would you do that? Because you don't live for yourself. You give up yourself so that another person will experience life. That is what love is. In fact, husbands, this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, 25, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you see that? Husbands? Right? I will die for my wife. Well, okay. Well, let's start, let's start, let's start a little bit before that. Okay? Will, will you give up your life as Christ gave up his for the church. That's how he demonstrated love. So what does that mean, Pastor? How does that get, how, does that, how, do, we, how do we start to really, really hone in on this? Well, here's the thing. People's lives are messy. <laughs> my life is messy. I don't know about yours. My home is messy too, but my life is, is, has a little bit more mess to it. But I think that goes for a lot of people. That means you enter into the people's lives because you can't love people without entering into their lives, right? And I, I've, uh, have you heard of boundaries, the, the concept of boundaries? <clears throat> Would you say no and learning how to say no? Those are actually, that's a good thing. Boundaries is a good thing, but there's, I can't address all the issues of boundaries, but there's the, the core principle of boundaries is this. You can either apply boundaries, your personal boundaries and relationship boundaries in your life by the flesh, which is all about self-protection, self-preservation, protecting myself, me, me, me. Or you do it out of giving up your life for the, so that another person will live. So 
God has boundaries. Did you know that? He says, this is, this is sin, this is not. Don't do this, do this. Right? That's because that's his nature. That's out of his love. There's things that he says no to. Why? Because he just doesn't want you to have a happy life. No. Because what he says no to, that very thing will bring destruction to you. And he says, don't do that. That's sin and it will destroy you. Same thing with parents to our children. Do we say no because we like, <laughs> we'd love to say no to our kids? No. A good parent will say no because that is unhealthy to that child. Right? So when we're having boundaries in our life, when we're acting out of these things, is if, if it's for the purpose of, for the other purpose, person to experience life, that's so different than what will happen here. Because out of the flesh, no love, God's love will not flow through in that way. Never. Okay? And in this place, it's like, oh, I don't want to, that, that looks messy over there. I don't know if I want get, to get into that area and that space and that person's life. That, that's what this boundary will say. Okay? That's what this boundary will say. This place will say, okay. I have and I carry the death of Jesus in my body for the purpose that the life of Jesus may be displayed through my body. Did you know that you carry, the Bible tells us that we carry the death of Jesus in our body always. If you're a Christian, you carry the death of Jesus in your body. You know what the death of Jesus does? It absorbs sin. It takes away the power of sin. It kills the power of sin and buries it forevermore. And I promise you, this is a guarantee from the word of God. If you live by that and you understand that, you understand, you carry the death of Jesus, you will enter into the lives of people where it might be so sin-filled and it will absorb their sin and will bury it. So then the life of Jesus has ability to flow out of you and touch the deepest places of their soul. We are the people of God. We love as Jesus loves. And so how do we do that? Well, we give up ourselves so that others will live and that is a small, these are small things we do. And we live this way in small ways. Hey, when the big day comes, and if that ever comes, that's, that's, just, another, that's just another example of it. But this is something we live day out, day in, so that others will live. This is the love of God. And it costs God greatly. It costs God greatly so that you could have it. But as you have it and you experience it, it will compel you to follow Jesus, the love like he loved. I'll wrap up with this wonderful verse. If you haven't memorized this verse, memorize it. It is of great power. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
Jesus gave himself for you. If you did not know that, then he's telling that to you right now so that you can accept this reality and experience what you have been created to experience, which is the very love of God to fill you, propel you, and to be the purpose of your life.